Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number 35. And in this familiar place inside of yourself that was created out of something you love with happiness and joy being your guide, you become more and more self-aware and you start discovering things about yourself that you didn't know before. The good things and the not so good things. And as you start to know more and more about yourself, you accept these things about yourself in this beauty of doing something you love with all of your heart and soul repeatedly over and over until it becomes a habit because it feels good. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. And this is your host, Charles Ogar. Welcome to 2017. This is the first podcast of the year. And looking at the year, I'm definitely going to be continuing the podcast as I had included in the previous podcast last year um, when we're looking at 2016 in review, where in 2016, we did surpass over 10,000 listens just starting the podcast in April. Thank you so much for listening. I'm definitely going to be doing more one on one podcast, which is me not having necessarily having a special guest. And I'm definitely going to try to increase the the range of instructors and promoters and dancers and, and artists and things like that that I bring on to the show. But for the first podcast of the year, it's just going to be me and you again. And today's topic is going to be self-awareness in dance. And this has been something that's been on my mind, actually, like almost all of 2016 throughout my journey. As you start to reflect on the progress that you made, the growth that you made, the frustrations that you come across, the things that you've overcome, goals that you've accomplished and you didn't accomplish. I feel self-awareness in dance is something that affects all of us and it's a huge part of our growth of why it is that we do what we do, why we choose to to dance and inspire others and show up in the dance scene in, in different ways. So this podcast is going to be kind of an introduction to the conversation. It's still very It's still forming in my mind. I haven't come to any set conclusions. I haven't come to any theories or anything like that, but I definitely want to start the conversation. Um, We're always continually improving, so it's hard to say what's going to be an exact endpoint. But 
I feel that if we start the conversation, I can definitely do some follow up podcast or bring in other girls to kind of highlight certain sections or bring up a new section that I didn't necessarily see before or realize before. And I thought was important enough to share with you all the listeners. So dance for me in my life has definitely been something to where I didn't really know myself at the beginning. When I remember when I first started dancing salsa, um, I guess you could say I was lost and searching for something. Um, looking back at it now, I was probably searching for myself. But um, you're lost. You start dancing. You like it. Um, you get some happiness. You get some joy. And you put so much of yourself into it to the point where you lose yourself in the music. You lose yourself in the dance. It's like, and it feels like, man, that was freaking like after an awesome night of social dancing, you're like, man, what was that me? I was on another level. I, I felt like I transformed into another being. And it kind of shows you a side of yourself that you didn't know existed before, at least in my case, you know. And then since that was so freaking awesome, such an awesome experience, you do it again and again and again. And this place that you start to lose yourself in starts to become a familiar place. And then it's like, man, well, if this is so familiar, if this feels like it's such a part of me because it is a part of you. I mean, I feel like you reach that euphoria in dance by focusing so much on the the happiness aspect of it. Like when you really go in and put um, all your chips in on the on the happiness side of things sometimes, you know, and you do that so much, this place becomes familiar and you start to realize things about yourself that are really, really awesome. And then, of course, since we're learning things and dealing with people in different ways, um, we definitely come across different bumps and fumbles and things like that along the way. And you find out things about yourself, you know, that that weren't necessarily as apparent as they were before. Um, I always find it really interesting to see the parallels of your personality and your character on the dance floor in a dance class and outside of or off the dance floor. It's always really interesting to see those parallels and how we can use those as opportunities to improve ourselves. So I feel after you start to become really familiar with yourself, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you know what motivates you, you know what discourages you, you start to know yourself. And I'm pretty sure you've heard me in other podcasts state like you can't love what you don't know. And I feel once you find out more and more about yourself, as you become more and more self-aware of yourself, um, you can then move forward to the point where you can love yourself. And I feel like that's the greatest gift that you can give to yourself, like self-acceptance and self-love. And this is definitely something that you don't they don't teach this in school. And depending on your upbringing and your parents upbringing and your grandparents upbringing and your great grandparents upbringing upbringing. You may have had parents who talk to you about these things or they might be still learning themselves. It's, it's a very interesting process as we go through our, our lives here for the time that we're here, you know. So talking about 
EQ. Um, we've all heard of IQ. And this is something that's definitely becoming a topic, especially as we get closer and closer, um, more and more aware of the importance of emotional intelligence. It seemed like before IQ was kind of like the intelligence factor was the thing that showed you um, or was the precursor to how successful you were going to be in life. And now there seems to be more and more attention being given to the emotional intelligence of what it is. And I recently started reading a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's a really awesome book. Um, I also read the Strengths Finder 2.0 book. And there's another book called Leadership 2.0. But I'm going to really delve into all of these things because I feel it's really fascinating. Um, the more you start to find out more about yourself and the more you can kind of put yourself in a position to win and your definition of winning is up to you, you know. So... In this book, Emotional Intelligence, I really like the way that it was uh, kind of set. I haven't finished the book yet. I'm still kind of going through myself, learning more about myself. But I feel like as I'm going through this, I can kind of give you guys um, kind of the golden nuggets I'm coming across and also share those uh, realizations with you to help you along your journey as I go through the same process. So in the book, it talks about four categories of emotional intelligence skills. And there's two broader subjects or the two broader skills. There's personal competence and social competence. And within personal competence, you have self-awareness and then you have self-management. And within social competence, you have social awareness and then relationship management. And talking about dance, I feel like this can definitely be a catalyst to show you or give you some emotional intelligence versus kind of figuring it out on your own. At least that's been the case for me. And self-awareness, like I talked about before, you lose yourself, but then you figure out like what really motivates you, what encourages you, what discourages you, um, what scares you and things like that. How do you face your fears? Um, how do you take compliments, how do you take criticism, all those kind of things show up in dance, and then how you manage yourself, knowing what you know about yourself, how are you putting yourself in a position that's going to be fruitful, that's going to be progressive, that's going to help you grow, that's going to help you accomplish those goals and move you forward instead of kind of spinning your wheels in place, frustrated because you're not sure what's going on with yourself or what or how to position yourself in a position to win and win on your terms. And then on the aspect of social competence, we have social awareness and relationship management. And I think that's really, really awesome because in the dance scene, we're not by ourselves. We're dancing with other people and different people have different goals. Different people have different aspirations. Different people have different likes and dislikes. Uh, different people have different roles in the dance scene. So how do we incorporate and realize somebody else's value, which may not share our own. And I feel like this is almost like a little microcosm of the real world because the dance scene has definitely different contributors that make the dance scene possible. It's kind of like this ecosystem that we enjoy. And as you start to realize all of these different players, um, how do we 
manage those relationships, you know? And I just feel like dance is one area where there's an opportunity for this to grow, but it's definitely not the only one. And I have some questions here in the podcast um, to present to you to kind of get you to think, to kind of get you to start to process things and analyze things about yourself, about your scene, the way you show up, the way you would like to show up. And I'll be sharing some of my personal insights and stories and reflections along the way. And I think this will be a great way to start off 2017 because I think this is something that we don't really talk about in the dance world, but it's something that is super important. And I feel like dance has given me so much in life that as I do this full time as a dance instructor, I just want to share that, I guess, joy, share the share the knowledge, share the wisdom, share the inspiration, share what I can um, from my journey thus far to help you along yours. So here we go. Um, these questions are kind of just some ideas that I had floating around in my head. Um, like I said, there'll probably be some follow up podcast on this, but I just want to kind of start the conversation here, not try to perfect the process or anything like that, and more just document the process and say, okay, this is where I am today in this first week of 2017. So the first big question that that comes up when we talk about dance is, why do you dance? And I have some questions listed here and some questions that came to mind. It's like, what attracted you to dancing? How does dance make you feel? What motivates you? What discourages you? So for me, what attracted me to dancing was being able to do something that I thought I wasn't able to do. So it's definitely a sense of accomplishment of doing a dance move. There was definitely some social gains that I had through dance because I, I felt like I was definitely not as social, socially socially adept or socially skilled and just talking to a random person and having a conversation, talking to girls that I found attractive and things like that, you know? Um, dance made me feel alive. Dance made me feel like I belong somewhere. Dance made me feel like I was more connected to myself. Dance made me feel like this was a more truer reflection of myself than what my job title was. And so that also intrigued, intrigued me. And yeah, that's that's really awesome looking back at it now to see the growth. I mean, if you guys have seen me in, in high school and see how shy I was and now being able to kind of command a, a, a class or a workshop of 50 plus people and not really shy away from it and kind of not only survive, but thrive in that role. It's really interesting to see that growth looking back on it now. Um, I love inspiring people. That's what motivates me. And discouragement for me would definitely be drama or depression and things like that. I've gone through personal bouts of depression and that was definitely something that attracted me to dancing because I felt like it pushed me further away from being uh, lonely or depressed. And that's a whole nother subject on its own, you know, there are definitely some parallels on the dance floor that I found that I discovered about myself that were not present in myself off the dance floor, talking about confidence, talking about the ability to communicate, talking about the ability to own 
yourself, your style, your flair, your personality, and not be ashamed of that. Um, and I, as I teach other people and see how they show up on the dance floor, if they have a lack of patience or they get frustrated really easily or they don't take criticism well, or if you see that in dance, they're very patient or the opposite, they're very caring or very connected. There's, there's so many different ways. And I just want to kind of challenge you with these questions to kind of sit down and maybe think about them, write them down or something like that to see if there's any hidden nuggets that you've skipped over that could keep your love for dance alive longer. I'm definitely hoping with these questions that I'm presenting um, with this self-awareness, our dance, our love for dance lasts a lot longer. I know some people get frustrated and they bow out of the dance scene for whatever reason or they give up on dance and things like that. So a part of this or a major part of this is going to be definitely to inspire you to, to keep dancing, keep learning, keep pushing yourself. But knowing how you show up and dance, I think is important so you don't end up frustrating yourself doing something that is actually draining you versus energizing you, you know? Another question, how serious is your dedication to learn or improve? Um, there have been many blogs, um, especially some written by Laura Reva. I'm going to include some links of hers in the show notes of the patterns or the characteristics of somebody who's like a hardcore training person versus a hobbyist in dance, you know, and Neither one of these are like right or wrong or superior or anything like that. But if you are a hobbyist, then know that it, that's what you want out of the dance. You don't want to really take it that seriously. It's more of a stress reliever or a social means to kind of meet people and things like that. It's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you're one of those driven people that like to have goals and push yourself, recognize that and put yourself in a position to where you can embrace that and, and push yourself, you know. And then another thing that's really, really important that I like to ask people is like, or they might not be aware of for themselves or for other people are life logistics. And that means if you have kids, if you have a demanding career, if you have other hobbies and interests, um, there's so many different things like we all have our own paths in life. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to point the finger at other people like, where are they? Well, they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And they don't come out and support my event or anything like that. But Sometimes you have to really take a look at the life logistics of what they're able to bring to dance and what they're taking out of the dancing. You know, once you start to put yourself in the shoes of other people, things start to make more sense and you become a little bit more understanding. Another thing that was huge for me, especially teaching Kizomba, was realizing what types of music do you like? Do you like more urban? Do you like more traditional? Do you like the more mellow sounds? Do you like more high energy? Do you like all of the above? Like what singers do you like and things like that? I feel like if you're listening to the music that you love the most, it's definitely going to make for happier days or more resilient days, especially when we don't have our best days, which we all are not sheltered from, you know, like we're all going to have challenging days. We're going to have days that are good. Um, music definitely helps those things. In my case, I definitely like the more urban sounds in Kizomba. And I realized that straight out the back, you know, 
And I realized the importance of knowing traditional and not being ignorant to the dance culture and things like that, especially um, since I do this full time with Kizomba. But if I were to be completely honest with myself, I know that the urban instrumentals, the Gelzuk songs and things like that, those take me to a higher level of happiness. And if I'm going to put myself in a position to where I'm dancing full time and I'm doing something that I love, I'm going to put myself around the music that makes me the happiest, you know? And so I feel like it's really important to be self-aware and realize what takes you. I feel like every dancer has that song that they have songs that they like. They have songs that like are acceptable and then they have like their top favorites, you know, that when they hear that song, like they must dance right then and there, you know, those songs that will never get old, that are kind of timeless classics, you know. And for me, that's definitely been the more urban sounds of Kizomba. But I feel like when you realize that and you own that, like you have that kind of genuine authenticity, you know, versus trying to pretend to do something else. And it's really interesting. I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I've talked to some friends about it, like, well, do you like more urban? Do you like more traditional? And I was asking a couple of my friends who are followers and they would tell me, I just want the lead to love the music. And that really stuck out to me because it's like, wow, like if you do know what type of music that you like as a follower, happiness is happiness. You know, if it's a more traditional song that you're listening to and the leader is singing Portuguese to you in your ear and he's like, Loving it because he knows all the words that he's been dancing it to it for the last 10 years. That's going to be a freaking awesome dance because he's happy and he's sharing that happiness with his follower. Flip that over to the urban side. If I listen to a remix of an Usher song that I used to listen to when I was little and I'm listening to it and it's the Kizoma remix version. I'm going to be just as happy, you know, singing all the words and I'm going to share that happiness with my follower. So it's not really a right or a wrong or anything like that. It's just like, find what makes you happy and do that and respect other people's happiness. You know, I'm not expecting everybody to like what I like, but um, I have found the people who do share the same kind of similar taste in music, or maybe we have some overlap in our taste in music and it, it, it causes for some awesome dances. So find out what that is and, and put yourself around that for sure. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKids.com is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. LearnToKids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. Finding out what your dance goals are. I feel like goals are super, super important. And throughout my dancing journey, nobody's really talked about dance goals 
especially coming from salsa and bachata, you definitely are encouraged to like come out to classes, come out to workshops, come out to festivals, and you can definitely get overwhelmed with the opportunities to learn slash train slash practice in dance. So if you're not sure exactly where you want to end up or what direction you're heading in, you can get frustrated or get overwhelmed and then not end up taking any action, you know? So find out what it is that you like about dance, what you want to improve, finding what your learning style is. And we'll talk a little bit more about the learning styles in a, in a, in a moment, but find out how you track your progress. One thing that I really, really like to do is record audio notes at the end of the private lessons that I teach just to give some kind of snapshot of where your understanding is right now. And I feel like there should be some kind of recollection of moments in that learning process, whether this be written, whether this be via video, whether this be via audio note or a combination of all three or just a few of them. But I feel like when you do create a habit of documenting your progress, it's easier to look back and see the progress that you've made and be inspired to say, hey, this is where I was. Look at where I am now. There is an improvement. There has been a growth. I'm inspired to continue. Or at the same time, I mean, if this is where you was and now you're at a lower point, oh my, I slipped up. I need to get back on track again. It gives you a, a means to do that. And finding out what your dance goals are, um, like I said before, like whether you're more of a hobbyist or if you're more of a person who's taking it serious or maybe somewhere in between, I feel like it's really important to just document that by one way or another. This reminds me of this one journal. It's called the Freedom Journal. It's in the entrepreneurial world, but it's like a a guide of a hundred days to kind of get you to one of your number one goals. And I wonder if that would be something interesting to kind of create in the dance world to kind of make sure that we're moving in the direction that we are. If dance means so much to so many of us, I feel like we should at least give it the due diligence to document the frustrations, the triumphs, the accomplishments and things like that as we go along the way. And as you start to document these things, I think it'll be easier to find out what your dance calling is. And the dance calling is an idea that I got from one of Laura Riva's blogs where she talks about dance goals. And there's different people in, in our ecosystem of the dance, if you will. We have instructors, we have performers, we have organizers, we have DJs, we have taxi dancers, and you might be passionate about traveling. There's definitely many travel opportunities. Is that something that kind of sets your soul afire to see different parts of the world? We have people who are scene builders, who dedicate time to helping a scene build to a certain level, you know, but finding what it is that you like to do, finding what it is that inspires you, what motivates you and dedicating time to that, I feel will help keep you in the dancing longer versus not really sure where you fit in, you know, so definitely try out different things and find out what it is your dance calling and find out how you can contribute to your dancing, because I think that's definitely something that can help us continue to dance.
Another important question that I really like to ask, and this is something I've been asking all of my people who take private lessons from me are what are your love languages? And reflecting back on this personally and I guess with my upbringing with my family and things like that, um, I, I didn't really put myself as like a lovey dubby type person. I was like, well, I was just kind of more of a very logical, very thinkers like, well, I like to dance. I'm going to dance. That's it. And I like the happiness. I like feeling sexy, feeling alive, feeling energetic, feeling capable, you know. And as I started to realize the importance of emotional or EQ awareness, as I started to dance more, it was really inspiring for me to see the parallels of the love languages in dance. And so I'm going to speak from my perspective with Kizomba, but no matter what dance you're listening to, I think there's something deeper here as well, because if we love the dance and we know what our love languages are, then we can see where they overlap. So um, I did a podcast on the five love languages not too long ago. I'll put a link for that in the show notes. Um, But my top two love languages, or let me list all five. We have physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and quality time. My top two are physical touch and words of affirmation. So as I found more about myself and I knew what my love languages were, I realized the importance of them in life. I didn't realize they played such a huge factor and why Kizoma meant so much to me. And that really was a huge light bulb that I realized in 2016 was how Kizomba filled my love languages. And let me share how they do that. So physical touch, obviously with Kizomba, you get that. You are in a closer embrace than other dances. Um, You get to be around people. And if you are a physical touch person, you definitely understand the importance of the or the need to be touched. And I also realized the lack of the positive physical touch that I didn't get as a child. So even looking back at it now, I'm like, man, am I catching up for the for all the physical touch I didn't get as a child, you know? And you've all seen those therapy sessions where it's like, well, your upbringing and your childhood play an important part on your adulthood. And I was one of those persons like, yeah, 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 whatever. And now like this, this last year in 2016, when I realized that I was like, holy shit. Like that was, that was definitely uh, a big realization moment for me. Words of affirmation. Uh, one of the reasons I really loved about dance when I was first starting with people give me compliments, you know, and I was like, man, like being like a socially awkward kind of nerdy guy and getting some compliments on your dancing while you're going out on a limb can be very reaffirming, you know. So that kind of just gave me the inf- the encouragement to continue down the path of like embracing it even more and more. And especially now, like I have a special section on my website where I get a lot of testimonials and something I I kind of understood the importance of testimonials from a marketing standpoint. But looking at the underlying reason behind it for love, like words of affirmation definitely get my heart to glow and overspill, you know. Um, And I also realized that criticism like sometimes like constructing criticism can sting more than a typical person if you're 
if you are a words of affirmation person. So that was something I had to learn how to manage as well, because um, you can definitely be give me a compliment and it means a lot like it. It's like triple the amount of the positivity you get from it. And on the flip side, when you get some criticism, it's like triple negativity on the other side. So being able to manage both is something that I'm still working on. And then I have this theory to where like if your love tanks get full, they overflow into the other love languages. So looking at what I do in Kizomba, the my third next love language was acts of service. And I feel really inspired to do a lot of things for Kizomba. Uh, I put on a dance festival, the Neo Kizomba Festival. I do this podcast. I do a Facebook group for Kids Connection. And there's a lot of things that I do to help grow the scene. And it's definitely an act of service. But I feel like I'm getting my love tanks filled so much that it's overflowing. And I don't feel... I don't feel drained to give more of myself because it's 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 like a two-way street. I'm getting my love tanks that's getting filled and I put out more action in there, which then in turn gives me more opportunities to get the love that that we all need and what I need and in that language is physical touch and and words of affirmation, you know. Um, we have other quality time, we have gifts. And so I've been known to kind of give freebies of songs and, and passes and things like that in the den scene. And quality time, definitely like learning the importance of that and being able to be present with somebody in the den scene. Like I'm realizing how all of these things can show up, at least for me, in Kizomba. And I share this with you to see if there's anything that you can take away. You might resonate with all of it, a part of it, none of it. Um, but hopefully it'll give you some perspective if it's not for yourself, maybe for another person and help you have a little bit more understanding about yourself or someone, someone else. So find ways, find out what your love languages are. I'll put a link for that in the show notes and then figure out how dance has been, because for me, it was definitely it's been filling those love tanks and I wasn't aware of it until I kind of put two and two together. Um, can dance and does dance fill those those love tanks in any way? And the last thing that I'd like to talk about, which is something that I'm super passionate about as well, um, is the teaching side of things. I recently, I didn't recently write a blog, but I wrote a blog about the, the five talents of a world-class Uber dancer. And we have people who are awesome at show, social dancing, we have people that are awesome at performing. We have people that are awesome at teaching. We have people that are awesome at marketing themselves, promoting themselves. And then the fifth talent that I mentioned in that blog was humility. I'll be including a link for that in the show notes as well. But finding out how you learn is really, really super important. Um, I did a podcast with Stephanie Gernon early in the year. Um, are you more of a thinker or a feeler? And these aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but more two points on, on a spectrum scale. I definitely have more thinker tendencies than I do feeler tendencies. But due to the, the quality of the one-on-one -on -one connection with Kizoma, I've definitely been learning to feel more and become more balanced in that regard. And this also can affect how you learn, how you get your information. Do you like to count things out? Do you need to feel things out? 
And like I said, just becoming more self-aware will allow you to put yourself in better learning environments so you can really take away what you need from the dance. Are you more of an auditory person or a visual person or a kinetic learner or maybe a hybrid of all of them or maybe just two of them? And this will allow you to communicate to your instructor how you learn best, especially if you're in a private lesson or a workshop or a wiki class or looking at something online. Maybe online lessons work for you. Maybe they don't work for you. But I feel like finding out what that is will definitely allow you to improve your learning, which will then improve your dancing. And as you get better, you become happier. And then that happiness is inspired. You inspire other people with their happiness as you dance with them. They become inspired and the ripple effect goes on and on. Like I was saying before, how you track your dance progress, I feel is super, super important. I feel it's super, super important to record yourself on video So having a dedicated camera, a dedicated memory card, some kind of form to to save your videos and see your progress. It's one thing to see yourself in the mirror and it's one thing to see yourself in the video. And like I said, I think it's really important to have snapshots of your growth. Um, I also feel it's really important. And this idea I got from another one of Laura Rivo's blogs is find a teacher that works for you, that teaches in your style. So once you know what the best way that you learn is and you find a teacher that you resonate with, um, definitely invest in that teacher, stick around with that teacher for a few years. And in the blog that I read by Laura Rivas, she definitely recommend it. Still learn from other people and things like that, but come back to your base teacher because he's going to have perspective of where you were, where you are and where you're trying to be. If he's very, if he's a dance teacher that really resonates with you. So, I think all of these things are really, really, really super important to learn in dance. And I feel figuring out the way that you learn in dance might inspire you to figure out the way that you learn outside of dance. Or maybe learning outside of dance will help you figure out how you learn in dance. And so that, like I mentioned before at the beginning of the podcast, finding those parallels between how you show up in dance, on the dance floor and off the dance floor, I feel we can enhance our journey and our our process and the happiness that we get and the progress that we achieve on both ends, on the dance floor, off the dance floor, through a little bit of self-awareness and self-reflection. All right. So that is going to be our podcast for today. I really view this podcast as being an introduction to this topic Like I said, it's something that I'm still chewing on. It's something that I feel is super, super important, but it hasn't really come full circle in a lot of things, you know, but I feel like it'd be awesome to continue to document this process as I learn more, as I experience more, as I hear from other people and other stories. Um, If you feel inspired to share anything with me, like feel free to send me an email or drop me a link uh, through the webpage or via my email at charles at neokizomba.com. I love to hear from you if you have some stories that you'd like to share with me. And it'd be awesome to come up with some kind of guide through self-awareness and dance that somebody can use to either start their journey, enhance their journey, and, and keep them dancing as you hear in the in the opening introduction for the podcast. So I love to hear from you. I'm going to end this podcast kind of on a on a poetic note. As I was coming up with these questions, I kind of came up with 
a little poetic flow. And I'm going to share this with you. I haven't shared it with a lot of people, but I think it'll be awesome to, I'm not really the strongest performer in dance, but I feel like the spoken word is something that's really, really awesome. If I can find a way to take that curiosity and, and passion and interest for the spoken word and mix that with the the curiosity and interest and passion for dance, it'd be awesome to, to kind of share that at a festival on stage or something like that, or like a motivational speaker in dance. And so I'm going to share the following kind of poetic ramble, if you will, still kind of fresh, but I think this might be a good basis for one of my first pieces in dance, inspired by self-awareness in dance. You lose yourself in the music and dance that you love so much. I mean, weren't we all lost at one particular time? And now we lose ourselves in the music and dance, but this being lost feels a little bit different because we're happy. It was inspired by being happy, by doing something that we love versus something that's more negative. So we lose ourselves in so often that it becomes a familiar place. And in this familiar place inside of yourself that was created out of something you love with happiness and joy being your guide, you become more and more self-aware and you start discovering things about yourself that you didn't know before. The good things and the not so good things. And as you start to know more and more about yourself, you accept these things about yourself in this beauty of doing something you love with all of your heart and soul repeatedly over and over until it becomes a habit because it feels good. In this constant habit of activating joy and happiness and self-awareness in this place that once seemed so foreign but has now become a true haven, your heart begins to shine from within. That's love. That's you. That's you loving yourself. See you guys in the next podcast. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Radical.